But the pivot might be, hey, things were going and now they're stopped. What am I going to do? And you need to fight. And I call this the choiceless choice. So um, if I was teaching you physical self-defense, I would still teach you fear management. And if you said, I'm not interested, I'm a pacifist, I don't want to learn any of that stuff. You still need fear management to navigate life because life is a freaking roller coaster ride. If you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed, or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you. Because it'll teach you what my dad always taught me, that failure is just opportunity in disguise. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Welcome back to 10,000 No's. I am going to give you a very brief intro today because I kind of give one with today's guest, who is Tony Blauer. He is a repeat guest. The only thing of note I want to let you know before you hear this conversation is that we had one section, about 15 minutes, where we spoke about a topic that I'm going to put in a standalone episode in the future. So if you hear something toward the end of the episode referencing my son, uh, just know that you didn't miss it. We took it out of the interview. So that is all you need to know. And the rest is self-explanatory. There are a lot of takeaways in this episode and lessons that are really applicable to all of you, any of you, regardless of what your line of work is, regardless of what your life situation is, because we all deal with fear. So here we go. Tony Blauer, top self-defense expert. We are experimenting here with, I, I like to do my, my intros, you know, separately, but because you are you are, I believe, my first three-time guest. I've had you three times. You did the takeover of the Monday Morsel. I had you kind of give your story. Everybody listening, this is Tony Blauer. He is a top, top, top self-defense expert. Um, he helps people from, you know, housewives who, who are home and need, need protection. You're going to hear all from him, all the way to tier one operators, you know, Navy SEALs, that, that level um, he's been on the covers of, of martial arts magazines for decades. He, he has done it all and we have become friends. And, um, I, I really want to just, uh, I feel like his information while it's on one hand, cool for me, not only as an actor, but as a human and as a dad and a husband, it's cool. It, it it's, it's useful information that is going to, it's going to help you. And so we're going to riff on some of his, his newer material. He's constantly putting out content. And um, before we get to it, I just want to remind everyone, I'm not sure when this will even come out, but in January, I started this uh, 10,000 Nose Insiders community. And it's basically taking this podcast and making it 3D. And uh, it, we have these cool live conversations every week. And I have a cool guest come in every month and talk on different topics. So if that's something you're into, check the link for 10,000 Nose Insiders um, on the, on the uh, episode show notes. And that's it for that. We're going to get to Tony. Here's, first of all, thanks for coming back again. I love talking to you. Um, of course, man. Of course. I, I, I love our conversations. And I, I really enjoyed the last one we did where I interviewed you 
for your book. Uh, I, I, I thought uh, our stuff is so organic and we, we almost forget that it's a podcast and we're maybe trying to inspire or, or inform other people, but it was really, we just, we just vibe out and then it's like, Oh shit, we got to go. You know, yeah. So. And, and I want to mention that to people as well. Tony saw a promo video that I put out for uh, the 10,000 nose book in October before it came out. And he, this is the spirit that he has and why I want you guys to listen to him. He, he just reached out to me immediately on text. He said, I saw your promo video. It's awesome. I want you to come on the podcast because I just want to support that. And I want to get it out to my crowd. And he's got a huge, very loyal following and had me on the podcast, like without, you know, just a very uh, generous thing. And so um, it, it's, it's nice, you know, you get to, you do this, a show like this and all of a sudden you're, you're realizing that your friends are these really cool people that have these very cool skills. And uh, here's, here's where I want to go. I was thinking because it will be loose, I want to let you do more of the talking, but there's one thing that I thought could kick us off into this conversation. And I just found it in this latest ebook that you put out. Um, And the ebook is called making friends with fear. And there's, there's a line here that really resonated because I said something almost identical in a totally different uh, backdrop the other day. It says, you're talking about reframe and you say the secret wasn't in trying to eradicate fear. The secret the superpower was in learning to use fear to motivate and fuel the effort. This was a huge reframe. And my, the context that I was using it, I was talking on this new clubhouse platform and I got pulled up to the stage to talk about 10,000 no's. And I said something almost identical where I said, I took this thing that was my shame I never wanted to tell people when I wasn't working, when I was told no, because you feel like a loser. And I took Mm -hmm. that and instead of hiding it away, as I had done forever, um, I put it front and center. I made it my platform. I embraced it. I leaned into it. I let it out there for everybody to see. And the things that have come from it and are still coming from it and the other things I don't even know will come from it are mind boggling, including the book. And, and so I think underneath it all, even though you're talking about self-defense, I think you're talking about the exact same thing. So I'd love to hear, let's just kick it off there and you, you run with it. Yeah. So, so first off the, the, the making friends with fear little ebook was uh, like a departure and a deliberate has nothing to do with physical self-defense. It has to do with emotional, psychological self-defense. And one of the things like if, you know, when I'm teaching somebody physical self-defense, I remind them, if you don't manage your fear, you're not going to manage the fight. It's, it's, that's the stop gap right there. And people don't realize that the one, you know, one of the lines from our, our no fear workshop is you can't be brave if you're not afraid. I repeat that because it's like it's heavy. That's tattoo worthy. You can't be brave if you're not afraid. People don't realize when you see a courageous act in the news, when you if you're watching it live, part of your non-conscious brain is like, hey, could I do that? Holy shit, that's totally courageous. Whoa, my God. And then but when you actually interview a courageous person, they were just doing what they thought had to be done. 
They weren't like, you know, I wasn't going to do it. And then I said, well, maybe someone will make a movie of the week on me if I pretend to be courageous or I act courageous. And, and where I'm going with this, and it's, it's so significant, is we get married afraid. We have our first kid and maybe our second kid or third kid afraid. And we don't talk about those things. And I can think about this like, okay, I'm getting married. Is this going to work out? I'm starting a business. Is this going to work out? There's fear around everything. But if you succumb to the fear, you don't do anything or you do it with trepidation. And that's contagious too. You know, body language is 60% of communication. So if you're always walking around kind of like worrying about stuff, people are like, well, what's going on? Are you okay? And it's like, yeah, I'm okay. And when you, when you flip it, like with what you did, uh, what, what it exposes is your real you and it helps you self-actualize and that's energetic, that's contagious. So when you say, Hey, I leaned into this thing that I was, that was, I was ashamed of, you know, you, you bump into, you, you step into an elevator and someone goes, Hey, Matt, uh, how's the acting going? And you haven't worked in four months. You go, oh, great. Uh, addition. I'm on the way now. And like, but really you're going, you know, you're afraid. Are you gonna have to get another job? Are you going to have to stop acting? Are you going to lose your home? Are, what are you going to say to your kids? What, what are you going to say to your ego? That's when I want to be, I, I want to be a professional actor. And so changing your relationship with fear, I believe, well, not I believe, I know will change your life. Because when you peel the proverbial onion for everything, and I go, Matt, did you take care of that thing? No. Why not? Well, you know, uh, UPS this and FedEx this. No, but Matt, really? Well, but when you peel the onion where you got nothing left to say, it's going to come down to, I was afraid of, and I really believe that. I've played that game with people where they go, no, it's not fear. It's this, 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 this. And, you know, like right out of, and I've gone over this with you before, we talked about the this, this cycle of behavior, kind of that, that, that mind map of how to navigate fear. We talk about when you get a fear spike for anything, it could be a toothache, it could be a message where you don't like the tone, Matt, it's, uh, it's uh, your accountant, call me right away. You're like, wow, like I, don't, I don't like that tone, right? Um, we don't think maybe he's having a bad day or, or he's got a toothache, right? We go, wow, that sounds like, like a problem. And then we start to manufacture a movie and you'll love this metaphor, I think I've shared it with you before. When we get a fear spike, we immediately start producing a movie in our mind. But I have used this metaphor with people who aren't actors like you, and it blows their mind. It actually, it takes them out of this vortex of, like, like they've been sitting there for like five minutes or five hours or five days worrying about the future. And so the, 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 the message is this, is that there are a lot of things in life we need to do af afraid. If we were taught that as kids, think about this. What were you taught about fear as a kid? Before you answer, let me tell you what I was taught. Zero. <laughs> you had to figure it out. Nobody sat down and said, look, fear is a good thing. It's, it's part of a primal response. Anything outside your comfort zone. So there's these instincts and intuition for danger. If you feel that, trust your instincts and intuition for danger because there's no downside to choosing safety. And by the way, if you're asked to do something that's outside of your comfort zone, daddy, mommy, what's comfort zone? Well, things that you're not comfortable with, things you haven't done yet, like maybe being in a school play or doing a speech or being put on the spot in class by a teacher going, Tony, did you do your homework? Right. And we get that fear spike. And so when we get when any human gets a fear spike, it immediately introduces doubt. 
Doubt immediately creates procrastination, right? So the fear spike creates doubt. Doubt creates this hesitation, hesitation, procrastination. And if that goes unchecked, like if you don't know how to look at it, like these metaphoric tea leaves going, what's going on? I just noticed I've got butterflies in my stomach. I just noticed I'm avoiding doing this. I just noticed I, I was about to phone this person and then I got this weird rush of fear and then I put the phone down. What is that? Like, okay, if I don't have the self-awareness to confront that, then that uh, doubt, hesitation, fixation becomes a non-clinical anxiety something you you avoid at all costs in the future and you could see these patterns in people listen you've gotten good at doing auditions and you've adapted to it so if i said to you matt you got an audition coming up are you afraid to do an audition no but it's interesting you ask that because this can maybe work into and i don't know if this is where you're going but let's go with it go with it something came up improv we're improv yeah exactly (laughs) something came up a couple of weeks ago and now the the way COVID has changed things everything is a self-tape you're not going in for casting directors so it comes in for self-tape i usually make my tapes with one of my best friends who's got a great camera and this whole thing He's going to be out of town, plus the whole COVID thing. And I've got to figure it out on my, on my own, my own equipment. And I had immediate anxiety when the audition came in, even though it was for a good, a good project. It wasn't about the acting. It was about the logistics to set up my studio. And I had this, I'm glad, and it's probably because of, my relationship to people like you that I recognized immediately. I said, Whoa, this is not good. The, you know, what happens for actors, the audition comes in and all of a sudden you throw everything else aside and you are focused on that yeah. thing. Cause that, so that becomes number yeah. one. So, but immediately when my reaction was that my stomach twisted, I said, this is not good. This is an opportunity. This is what I'm asking for. And now it's coming and I'm getting stressed out. So I said, this needs to change. And that led to a series of actions that have nothing to do with acting, but setting up the physical studio, buying a new camera, a new lens, because what I had was not to the quality that I wanted. And and then physically laying it out so that I had something that not only for that audition, but for everything for the next three or four months, is dialed in so that the next one that comes in, all I have to worry about is the acting. And and the fear, it was, I had a desire to procrastinate because I knew it was going to be a pain to set it up. And it was, but I did it and I got through it. And then I finally did the audition and I felt good. And now I feel ready for what's to come in the next couple of months. But it was initially, yeah, it was, you know, your original question was, do you get scared? I, you know, depending on the audition, depending on the challenges for the particular role, how much time I have, I wouldn't say scared, but I get challenged. And, right. you know, but listen to this, let me interject two things. One, you know, uh, you know, the expression, you can't make a good movie from a bad script. You ever heard that? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So, so when you're doing self auditions, your non-conscious brain is aware that like right now, look at your lighting in the camera, look at mine. Right. Yeah. And, and we've talked about that before. Cause you had your, you don't have your camera hooked up yet. 
So uh, if you're suddenly self-conscious about the lighting, about the audio, about other stuff, that's taking you away from your craft, right? And and so, you know, the, like there's so many parallels and metaphors here. You're driving and your phone's ringing. You can't drive and be on your phone at the same time. It splits your focus. So you you compromise the conversation or you compromise the driving. You need to choose safety. In <laughs> what is the smartest thing and safest thing I should be doing right now? And so in the same way, you know, I say you can't make a good movie from a bad script. You can't, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. We know this, particularly in, in your in your world. If I said to you, hey, you're going on a blind date tonight. You're not worried about like buying dinner or ordering food or the first kiss. You're in the mirror going, is my hair look okay? Like, like what? And even I go, what are you doing taking so long to get, is this shirt okay? Is this dress okay? What are people, they're in the fear loop there, but they're not flinching like in a self-defense moment. It's they're letting, and I love this acronym that we use for fear, false expectations appearing real. False expectations appearing real. It's when we're visualizing a future event that involves some sort of like negative outcome. And it's so potent in our mind right now that it's actually impacting us in the present. And so that's creating the doubt, the hesitation, the non-clinical anxiety. And listen, if it goes on too long, it can become clinical anxiety, right? And so when I asked you the question, like, do you get nervous before an audition? The real answer is, and I'm putting words in your mouth, and you sort of said it, like, like if I said to you, like, who, what, what superstar actor would you freak to, to do a, a big role beside, but who's also somebody that you'd be like speechless to like work with? And you went, well, that would be so-and-so. And what director? And if I put all of them in a room and I said, Matt, come in here, I got a big surprise for you, right? And it was like everybody that, and I yeah. said, okay, do your line. You'd be like, right? And yeah. and uh, and I want anyone listening to this to imagine that, and this isn't like, an, like I'm not an acting coach, right? But I, I teach fear management to professional athletes, military, law enforcement. And, you know, it's like, how do you teach like a tier one operator who will jump out of an airplane and run towards gunfire more about fear management? It's about what I'm teaching is self-awareness. I'm teaching people how to think about fear. And so if you don't have it, there's nothing to worry about. But if you get a fear spike, what does that mean in your world? And so what you want is kind of like a, like an immediate plan B default. And, you know, you had it with the example you gave where you went, Hey, your buddy usually takes care of this out of town. And now you're like, Oh shit, this will suck. I don't know what to do. Ironically, I just started this new program for all my self-defense affiliates on how to become successful online teaching through zoom. I've gotten really, really comfortable with it to the point where I've actually said out loud, I think I like doing zoom classes more than live classes in a way. And, and I have a whole rationale for that. Of course I miss touching and, and the chemistry of live, but, but I'm having so much fun, but I realized that there were days where I, I got on and there was a software update that I didn't check. And so it didn't record. And so I have this amazing content and I go to record it and the file's not there because some patch wasn't installed before because there was no warning. And I'm like, holy shit. And now I've just lost two hours of work and you can't get it back because it's organic. Right. And so I've got like this list of 12 things that went wrong in the last year 
in. So I'm putting together this course for other self-defense instructors. Right. But it's exactly what you're saying. Like, like I did it with handheld camera. I did it with this, this, this alleged app that, that you could use your, the, the 4k aspect of, of uh, your iPhone to, and none of the shit worked until I said, I got to get a good camera. Yeah. Right. And it needs, well, well and can, I, can I, I want to just interject yeah, because a lot of people will be hearing this. It'll be audio only and they won't see the image, but uh, Tony right now is when we got on the call and I remember this from the last, when I was on his show, all of a sudden from maybe two times ago, I said, whoa, you look great, man. Like what? It's so crisp. There's like a depth of field. There's, there, it's blurry in the background. It's crisp on your face. And he said, yeah, I got this new setup. Now, the, this is one of the things that I like to talk about with, with people. It's like, what are the ancillary things that are supporting that main that main purpose. And if they are not taken care of, like you're saying, it's maybe it's imperceptible. Maybe you're not quite aware of it, but I know right now, while I'm doing this interview with you in Brooklyn, where I am, the internet is a little spotty. So sometimes you'll skip. Is that affecting my ability to interview you? Absolutely. Just to have a conversation because sometimes I have in the back of my head, oh no, is he going to go out for good? You know, there's always that. Then there's also, uh, I'm looking, because we had the conversation about the, the camera, uh, and, and again, for those of you just listening, right before we started, I said, well, I got this great new setup. Can I hook it to my camera? And he gave me the name of the gadget that can hook it up. But I am looking right now while we're talking, and there's right. definitely another narrative in my head that's going, man, Tony yeah. looks great, and mine looks terrible. You know, I've got it like angled you hear that, up. Everyone, I look great, man. <laughs> the, uh, but should, really, you, so that is that is affecting confidence in some way, shape, or form. And maybe it's not enough to derail me, but it would be better if that was taken care of. And I listen, think that applies listen, to everything. Everyone in life, you know, you drop five pounds, or you get a tan, or you get a new haircut, or you shave, or you. You know, yeah, yeah, and this you could. Some people can go. That's offensive. That's vanity or that's ego. But guess what? That's part of the tapestry of being human. You get you you feel good about something that immediately changes your energy, and that is contagious. And and so you know you, you know we got our goofy memes like you know a frown is a smile upside down and all the you know but but the the reality is we would rather be happier than sadder. And so what are the things that we can do? And that could be from diet to fitness to read a good book instead of a shitty book, you know, watch a, a, a comedy instead of a horror movie. Like it's just little, little incremental changes, but all of these decisions and all of the internal dialogue is connected to self-awareness for there to be critical thinking in your life. You need to have self-awareness. If you have no awareness, you have no chance. And, and so I have found after 40 years of studying violence, fear, aggression, you know, my main business, the serendipity of that, the the outcome of that was a completely separate program called No Fear, spelled K-N-O-W. This idea that if we could change our relationship with fear, we change what we're going to do next. But here's a here's a, a, a kind of an out, out there leap. Fear management 
is actually time management. Fear always creates doubt. Doubt always creates hesitation. Hesitation always creates procrastination. If you don't go, why am I avoiding doing this? What do I need to learn? I'm going to go on Google. I'm going to call a friend. I'm going to call it, you know, so you get a toothache. You don't immediately call up the dentist and go, oh, I haven't had root canal yet. I hope I have root canal. Please, please, please. Can you squeeze me in today? Right. We're like, ah, that's weird. That's not a good feeling. I've never felt that before. Call the dentist. Now wait and see if it goes away. Nobody like when something negative happens, nobody rushes to figure it out right away. Right. Unless you're a subject matter expert in that. Right. You know, you're and, 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 and this, this is just all this is, is really the psychodynamics of fear outside the comfort zone. If it's a fear spike inside the comfort zone. So let's say you're a radar operator. You're sitting here and you're trained, highly trained. And all of a sudden you see a, a blip. And they're still like, is that one of our airplanes or is that, is that a missile? There's still a fear spike. If you, if you read about them, there's still a nano moment of hesitation. You and I with no training, we go, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Someone else is going, okay, I got a checklist to download. I got to make sure this. So, so what, what I'm working with people, Matt, I'm telling them like, how important is time management for you? Cause time is the only commodity we can't get back. So think about how much time you've wasted not saying to your wife or your kid or a parent, hey, we need to talk about this or a colleague. This is really bothering me. And we wait and we wait until until it just like a Vesuvius explodes or it washes away or we forget about it. But at the end of the day, they become these little triggers, these little PTSDs, right? The little event where you hear the song and then you remember <laughs> You remember the negative outcome or you see that person again and you immediately, oh shit. Like I never resolve that. Yeah. That's so all fear. It's all fear. And what do you, so someone's listening to this right now and they're going, yes, got it. Okay, great. I agree with you. What do you teach them to do next? I mean, obviously it's some sort of addressing the fear point, but how do what are some of the tactics that you could let these listeners know about so so some of them are just you know a lot, a lot of times we have very i'm going to use some big words here on purpose to make a point uh obsequious and pedantic nomenclature a vernacular that makes us feel even stupider right and i did that on purpose like hopefully people are going what the fuck did he just say and sorry if i apologize i know we've got uh, young listeners uh, um, so I'm sure your son, who's maybe in the background has never heard you say that word. So he's, he's upstairs anyway. Okay. <laughs> so, so the, the, what I did is I said like things like, Hey, there are lots of things in life you need to do afraid. Like that's an easy thing to go. Okay. Like what? Like the next thing you're afraid of. Like, like I try to, like, I try to make it like Ernie and Bird are teaching fear management. You know, Ernie Burf and Sesame Street. I could make it sound like really psychobabble. Well, apparently uh, the amygdala and your limbic system are wreaking havoc right now because of this, you know, past traumatic, you know, and you're like, yeah, so what do I do? Well, come see me next week and we'll, oh, our session's over, right? <laughs> and um, I had someone go through my, near, my no fear program who wrote me after. And he says, he says, uh, hey, I've had mild anxiety my whole life. I've never really talked about it, but... I've listened to your program like three times. Is it possible that it's over? And my answer to him, and listen, I've got friends of mine who are therapists. I actually train and coach therapists 
in in this in this program that I developed. And and so this is a joke not meant to demean good therapy. And and there is good therapy. But this guy says to me, he says, is it possible my my anxiety's gone from from doing the no fear program? And I said, uh, if I was your therapist, no, it's not possible because I need to see you next week and the week after and the week after because I'm still paying off my country house. And, uh, you know, I said, but listen, man, it's like a light switch. It's like a light switch, Matt. If fear. So here's a metaphor. Your body is a car. Your mind is your map and your nav system. This is where I want to go in life. Fear in this metaphor is either the fuel or it's just something that's part of this this thing that you don't even understand. And then fear becomes this backseat driver. You're driving on your way to an audition and the fear is like, hey, you're going to be late. You left too late. You're going to fuck this up. Uh, Dude, you missed your turn. Holy shit. Okay. But don't go in frazzled. You know, you're going to go in frazzled and it's going to be, they're going to matter. You're okay. You need a minute. Right. Or you feel this adrenaline coming and you look over to this metaphoric fear in the passenger seat because you're the driver and you go buckle up, buddy, here we go. You know, I've, and, and you just change you. And this seems so goofy. It's like, am I really paying this guy to say this to me? And this, <laughs> this has literally changed lives. I don't want to, I've been to therapists who are going, I don't know what you're saying. Come back next week where, where I want, like, I've got a guy in Greenwich who's been a, a psychologist for 20 years. His name's Jeff DeTesso. If you go to my coach Blower website, there's a testimonial from him. He's been a professional therapist for 20 years. Now he's a Krav Maga expert who teaches Krav Maga self-defense, who came to me to learn my special brand of self-defense. Uh, you know, we're, we teach a behavioral approach where it's physiology, physics, and psychology. I didn't know that he was a professional psychologist. He calls me up after he says, your cycle of behavior and your approach to fear management is more effective than anything that I've learned in 20 years of psychology. And I was like, Jeff, would you say that like as a quote? He goes, well, I just did. I mean it. And it's on my website. <laughs> it's, 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 it's literally how simply can we say this? So you just go, I'm going to try that. So the next time, Matt, you're like, you're sitting there like worrying self. And, and this is the most important thing. You ask me, what are the tactics? You need to create self-awareness because only critical thinking changes negative thinking. And you connect it to when you are in this vortex in your mind, the movie in your mind, if you say to yourself, I'm the producer, I'm the director, I'm the screenwriter, and I've cast myself as the guy that's not going to get the date, not going to get the part, not going to be successful, not going to live happily ever after. That's a movie in your mind. You are living a future hell in the present so that people around you are going, I don't want to be near this person. He's always negative or down or depressed or whatever. As a, and, and you don't have the self-awareness. So I go, I walk by and I go, Matt, are you okay? And you go, yeah, why? You look like something's really bothering. No, leave me the fuck alone, right? And you're like, oh, okay. But if I have the self-awareness to go, wow, what's going on? What am I thinking about? Then... I might go, oh, your tooth is bothering you and you're terrified of the dentist because of that event that happened when you were seven years old and you're hesitating going, okay, what would a fear management expert in this movie in my mind do? He'd go, hey, doc, I'm really nervous. I think I gotta come see you. I'm scared I have root canal. Come in, let me, and and you just deal with it. And there are things you need to do afraid. 
Yeah. When I asked, when I asked my wife, Jesse to marry me, I was afraid it wasn't going to work out. Right. Yeah. Because my parents were divorced because I was divorced because, and so there's a moment where like behind the facade of, I love you. Will you marry me? Is, Oh, fuck, am I doing the right thing? Right. And that changes the experience. It changes our experience. Before I let you go, I, just because I'm so grateful at how you had me on when the book was coming out and all that. So people are listening to you. We're really, you know, this is a riff. This is a conversation. Um, I would think that people have a feel for you. What I always say I love about you and it's, you know, on display in this conversation is how you take your subject matter of self-defense. And you have really, I mean, I got to suspect it's a little bit of COVID and you, you, you are constantly evolving and pivoting. And it feels to me like your stuff is even more applicable to my particular audience in terms of they could take the self-defense stuff as well from you, but your material in my mind is I could study with Tony Blower and never touch self-defense actually. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm saying. And, you know, listeners are going to be listening and, and make their own choices, but what, if someone is into what you're saying, uh, what would you say is the first step for them so that I could, you know, maybe help someone who's listening to, to benefit more from your, your content and everything. Uh, yeah, cool. Interesting question. And, 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 you know, after decades of teaching physical self-defense, the, you know, one of the, one of the, the the pillar observations that I've made, and this is this is like empirical, based on empirical watching violence, studying violence, interviewing victims of violence. The people who manage their fear manage to fight. I'll say that again. The people who manage their fear manage to fight. So whether you win or lose, I go, you know, how did you get through 2020? I fought. And the people who didn't, they got squashed, right? And so whether it's fighting for peace of mind, whether it's fighting for your business, whether it's fighting for a relationship, we all experience that. And, and you know, everyone uses the word pivot, but the pivot might be, hey, things were going and now they're stopped. What am I going to do? And you need to fight. And I call this the choiceless choice. So um, if I was teaching you physical self-defense, I would still teach you fear management. And if you said, I'm not interested, I'm a pacifist, I don't want to learn any of that stuff. You still need fear management to navigate life because life is a freaking roller coaster ride. And um, the longer I stay in the fear loop, the more time I consume. So I'm in, I'm in essence mugging myself because I refuse to look at the relationship between fear management and time management. So if that makes sense to you, Without spending a dollar, get the <laughs> making friends with fear, read it. You know, it's only nine chapters. Yeah. It's like I mean, I read pages. it. I read it today. It's, it's in, right here. It's in front in of 10 me. Minutes, yeah. you know? um, but I, when we put it together and I'll be totally transparent, it's, it's, it's connected to a funnel online and I'm going to try and sell you my, if you, if you go to the, to the, uh, to the page, it's going to try and sell you my course. And that's the course the guy did who said, hey, is my anxiety gone? Like yeah. for $97, if you want to learn, and I don't want to turn this into an infomercial. Right. But, but the idea is like, like 
I got people all over the world and I, that I've been teaching for, and you know this, I'm 60 years old. I've been doing this for 43 years. So I'm like, how do I make people safer? I wish somebody had taught me to differentiate between the physiology of fear and the psychology of fear when I was seven years old, walking into a wrestling tournament. I was a competitive athlete. I was afraid of every competition, but I still competed as a good athlete. I was afraid to ask girls out on dates in school, but I still did, but I didn't enjoy it because I was like, oh, right, ready to throw up. All through my life, I've had fear. Like when you said, when your son said, it's like weighing over me. I'm not enjoying hanging out with my friends. I've been under that cloud or that backpack. I always, I asked this joke and of course is how much does fear weigh? When you get good news, Matt, Hey Matt, you got the audition. What do you do immediately when you get off the phone? Let me tell you, cause I've never seen you. You stand up, you jump up in the air, you go, fuck yeah. Woo you do a little dance because you feel light as shit. It could be something medical. You get a test, you're waiting, you're waiting. The doctor goes, you're good. Yeah. Like when we are get good news, the weight of fear is lifted from us. So I ask people in our course, actually, how much does fear weigh? And they go, what do you mean? What is the weight of fear? Is it the cortisol? Is it the stress? Is it, is it all the other stuff? But think about the levitation you actually feel when it's released. So um, I would get... The Managing, uh, 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 Making Friends with Fear ebook. It's free. You know, I'll get you the link so you can share it with your people. Yeah, we'll, and, put, it, we'll put it in the show notes. And, yeah. and, and, and you start there and you go, man, this is bullshit. Or you go, wow, this is, this is interesting. What I did is I took me 40 years to be able to write what I wrote in nine pages. Right. Well, that's- I, wanted, I, 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 wanted, I wanted it to be, Ernie and Bert are going to teach you fear management. I could have made it 60 pages and sold it as a mini book, right? Right. How many books have you read where you get it and then the chapter goes on and on because the publisher said this needs to be 60,000 characters. Right. You know, so you start there, uh, you go, I want to learn more. You get you get the program. You go, you know, I don't deal good with this shit. I need to do some one-on-ones. Or I mean, it was funny. We did we did something recently for a team at Google. And they contacted me to do a fear management block. So I asked them in the return email. I said, Hey, uh, how did you guys find me? Did you Google me? They thought that was very funny. Um, but the uh, true story. So, but like this applies to anything. And we live in a, in a, in a new era where we can communicate a lot. This is a lot of it is, is, is just getting comfortable with this idea that fear management is like a light switch. I'm not going to teach people how to eliminate fear. I'm going to teach them what to think when they feel fear. Well, I'll say this before I let you go. If you guys are are listening right now, and, you know, you, you made the self-deprecating thing about the infomercial. I get pitched all the time by publicists, people trying to get people to come on the show. I'm not saying that in a whatever. We just get a lot of emails because people want to come on and they want to sell their stuff. Um, you wouldn't be on here three times in a row if I felt like you were on here to sell something. You have stuff to sell. Yeah. But I wouldn't do that. I had one guest a long time ago and I felt... 
dirty when it was done because I felt like they came on to sell a book and I was like, oh, I, I don't, that's not why right, I started right. this thing. So um, my, my endorsement of you, 100% endorsement. If anyone digs what Tony says and you feel like you can use it, I would say, I, look, I just read this ebook and it's, it's great. And just go get it. If you, if you like what he says and, and it, it could be useful, Tony Blauer. Thank you, brother. This is, I love talking to you, whether we're recorded or not. Um, maybe yeah. when this whole thing blows over, we'll actually, you know, talk in person again. Um, yeah. I'd love to. But thank you for, uh, yeah, for doing this. It's, it's, it's cool. What we do here is go back, 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 back. All right. Tony Blauer, smart guy, wise guy, not a wise guy, a wise human. Anyway, here we go. Top three takeaways. Number one, fear is false expectations appearing real. And I love this acronym that we use for fear, false expectations appearing real. False expectations appearing real. It's when we're visualizing a future event that involves some sort of like, negative outcome. And it's so potent in our mind right now that it's actually impacting us in the present. And so that's creating the doubt, the hesitation, the non-clinical anxiety. And listen, if it goes on too long, it can become clinical anxiety. As another one of my guests, John Gordon says, no one knows what the future will bring. So you can believe in a future that's positive or a future that's negative. Why would you choose negative? Number two, the realization that fear management is actually time management. Fear management is actually time management. Fear always creates doubt. Doubt always creates hesitation. Hesitation always creates procrastination. If you don't go, why am I avoiding doing this? What do I need to learn? I'm going to go on Google. I'm going to call a friend. I'm going to call it, you know, so you get a toothache. You don't immediately call up the dentist and go, oh, I haven't had root canal yet. I hope I have root canal. Please, please, please. Can you squeeze me in today? Right? We're like, and that's weird. That's not a good feeling. I've never felt that before. Call the dentist. Now I'll wait and see if it goes away. Nobody, like when something negative happens, nobody rushes to figure it out right away. For me, this kind of boiled the whole topic of fear down to one simple thought. Yes, we all have it, but no, we can't avoid it. That's just going to make it worse. Very simple, but very true. Number three, this idea that self-awareness is critical and that we can really shift our lives dramatically in a good direction if we make small, incremental changes. The reality is we would rather be happier than sadder. And so what are the things that we can do? And that could be from diet to fitness to read a good book instead of a shitty book, you know, watch a, a, a comedy instead of a horror movie. Like it's just little, little incremental changes, but all of these decisions and all of the internal dialogue is connected to self-awareness for there to be critical thinking in your life. You need to have self-awareness. If you have no awareness, you have no chance. For those of you who may be longtime listeners, you may remember the advice of Don Saladino, who has shaped the bodies of some of the biggest names in Hollywood. When I asked him his best advice for people around transforming themselves, it was pretty much identical to Tony's point here. He said, if you tell me that you drink four glasses of wine every Friday night, which is self-awareness, knowing that, 
I'm not going to tell you to go cold turkey because it probably won't stick. I'm going to tell you instead to start by limiting yourself to three glasses. And he goes on to say that it's these tiny incremental changes that turn into lasting transformation. It works with the body. It works with fear. Try it for yourself. But just remember, one of the most important pieces there is the self-awareness. You need to be self-aware to know your relationship with fear to be able to do something different about it. Okay, that is it. Tony Blauer, thank you so much. I love sitting down with you. It's a great excuse to have a conversation that means something that could help people. Um, Everybody, if you're listening and you like the show, please uh, go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, give us a, a, you know, the rating, the review, share it on your social media, tell people about the show. We want to get it out there. We want people to benefit from the advice of these experts. That's really what it's all about. Also, if you dig this and you feel like, oh, this is good advice, consider going to join the 10,000 Knows Insiders community. There is a link to it in the show notes. You can also go to 10,000knows.com. Basically, we do live video uh, meetings every week, every Monday, and then it's with me and the members. And then we have uh, a VIP come in once a month and talk to people about all of the topics that are involved in this show, perseverance, reframing, uh, strategy, tactics, everything. And it really applies it to your own particular circumstances. So it's kind of like taking this podcast and making it 3D. Uh, It's a reasonable rate. So go check it out. There's more information at the uh, website and you can get there through the link in the show notes. As I said, that is it. We will see you on Monday for the short solo episode. And then again, next Friday, thanks for joining us here at 10,000 knows. We know you have a lot of options, so we appreciate you stopping by. 